Welcome back to the Ange Health Podcast. I'm super excited to have Nicole and Ronnie Green and Ben Green, the co-founders of Givingly. We actually share an investor, um, our biggest mm-hmm. investor, 776. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited to have you guys here. Thanks for having <laughs> us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, yeah, how do you guys typically like to introduce yourself and especially Givingly? I mean... I don't know if I like to introduce ourselves as husband and wife co-founders, but it is fun. <laughs> I have to say it's fun to see everyone's reaction, but um, typically it, it does come up in conversation. So I guess we're husband and wife co-founders um, and we started giving Lee together. Uh, it feels like a century ago, but also just feels like it started yesterday. Um, and we now have uh come so far i guess with it i don't know what about yeah. you ben um yeah i mean it's definitely um i don't know i i think <laughs> uh, you said it you said it best <laughs> cool how do you how would you describe givingly i actually use it very frequently you told me that made me so happy yeah <laughs> um I would describe Givingly as the the go-to gifting platform for today's times or for cool. today's world. I mean, there's so much more to it, but it really is just right now the gifting platform that just makes sense for all of us who are running around in a million different ways and looking to gift beautifully, thoughtfully, um, but with considering time and resources uh, and givingly was our attempt and now I guess successful creation to make that happen. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, cool. So you guys also have a second baby, your real baby. <laughs> we actually have four babies. Oh, really? We have our two dogs. Okay. And then givingly and then our human baby. <laughs> Okay, cool. Um, so I'm I'm interested how you guys would describe your own mission in life, both professionally and personally, especially since they're kind of intertwined and you have so many babies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd say for me, it's like to um, rewrite the rules um, and leave the world in a little bit better state than I found it, hopefully. Um, it, I, I think when I was younger, I realized that everything that exists right now was just created by people who said, hey, I think this should exist. And, um, you know, as founders, I think we're in that position to be able to go do something that we think should exist. And um, so that's kind of what I'd like to leave as, as a legacy and my mission. That's awesome. What about, so that's personal mission? Yeah, that's my personal okay. mission. How do you describe your professional mission? Ooh, I mean, I guess they're pretty closely tied. <laughs> um, to keep learning and like how to be a better, um, you know, founder, how to be a better manager. Um, there's there's just, uh, you know, never stop kind of trying to get better cool. professionally. Um. I would say my personal mission is very different from Ben's in a sense <laughs> where it is probably to 
bring people together as much as possible and then to also reveal the good in people as much as possible. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I think it's it's interesting hearing you guys talk about your missions because I think you have such unique backgrounds. Like I was looking at your LinkedIn's and Nicole, you were – was it a marriage counselor? It was the MFT marriage family therapist. Okay. But cool. I I mostly worked with adolescents and uh and families, I'd say. Okay, cool. And young adults. Awesome. And mm. then Ben, you were an attorney. Yeah. So how did you guys pivot from that into being a founder? We do get asked that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, really, this, I don't think we would have just become founders of any company. Um, we we wanted to do this particular thing because it was a personal pain point that we were feeling in our lives as we were getting married and um, as other people were, you know, as we were celebrating other people and we wanted there to be a better way to do that, um, that made sense for our generation. So I think for us, we just we just felt like, hey, we have you know, a perspective on this. And we wanted to go and try it out. And it started out, Nicole was doing it really um, part-time while she was still working as a therapist. And I was helping out on the side, working as an attorney. And then um, as it kind of, you know, took off from being a side project, Nicole, you know, made, I, I think was faced with a tough decision to kind of um, take it on full-time and take that risk of, of going and, you know, creating a startup rather than following what, you know, she got a master's in and, and her career path. And, and then I followed kind of shortly after that. Cool. So were you married yeah. when you decided to become founders? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, we were married. And, and yeah, like Ben said, I, I don't think we just, I don't think we had a plan to become founders just to become founders, which there's nothing wrong with that. But we had a certain pain point that we were experiencing very strongly and the more we looked into it the more it made sense to you know pursue this business this idea this vision um and then also I mean I have a lot of people ask me well how do you go from being a therapist to being a founder um I also was raised by an immigrant entrepreneur so was always around businesses and always, you know, going to the office or learning about his um, work or what he was up to. So I, I had this itch for as long as I've known to create a business that impacted many people. And for whatever reason, this itch just came up at the start of Givingly. That's awesome. Yeah, my mom is also an entrepreneur and an immigrant. Um, I think it runs in your blood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and my therapist is actually in the startup scene. She's an investor. Really? Yeah. I, oh, I wow. The first time we met in person was at a, a tech event. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. That is so cool. Before or after she was your therapist? After. I've oh, been okay. seeing her for a year. And so then I introduced her to like all of my friends. Because I feel like it's kind of like they're sort of fictional characters to your therapist. So then yes. I was like pointing out yes, yes, all yes. my friends to her. I'm like, that's the one I was saying is like this. Yeah. And that's the one who like <laughs> helped me with that. But that's actually really cool. I would love yeah. to meet them one day. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, cool. Well, I'd love to chat about your decision to have a baby and your birth story and parenting because I think it's super interesting that, um, yeah, that you guys are founders and married. Although I think it's more common than people think. Yes. Yeah. But I think similar to us, well, we probably talk about it 
more than others but i think similar to us it's it's weird to talk about yeah and i think i've even heard i don't think i've heard it from those directly but i've heard from people that that investors or i guess there are some people who purposely won't invest in Mm. married founders which is i have a lot of thoughts on that Interesting. I actually think you're missing out on a, a pretty cool opportunity. Yeah. yeah. No, Paul Graham and I think a lot of YC partners are really bullish on familial relationships in a company. Yeah. Um, and so that's why like Stripe and like all these mm. companies they invested Brothers. in. Yeah, they're all familial because um, PG started YC with his wife. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Could go a long way. Yeah. Good family business. For sure. Um, so yeah, what motivated you guys to have a baby in the first place and when did you decide was the right time or did you even decide? Well, like I, I knew I wanted kids. I mean, we, we knew we wanted kids. Um, and I come from a really big family, so, uh, it it was something that we knew was coming. Um, in terms of when we, it's funny because we have heard and I, I think everyone's experience is very different. Um, ours was obviously very unique, but we've heard from many people, like, you never feel like you're ready. You just have to do it. Mm-hmm. There's never the right time. Um, and I feel really lucky that we actually we actually waited until um, until we felt ready. And, and that was probably more related to work. Uh, it felt like we, we've, you know, at least found like product market fit. We've had a few employees under our belt. We, I believe, well, we had at least raised our seed. We were in the process of raising our series A when I was pregnant, but we felt, you know, very confident about that. Um, so, you know, versus probably two, three years ago, I think it would have been a lot harder um and and it felt really good and it felt really right and so the reason why I bring that up is because I've heard many people come up to me and and ask like how do you know if you're ready everyone tells me you're never ready and I I think like we had the opposite experience like we felt very ready once it Mm -hmm. happened and and I feel grateful for that yeah cool um do you want anything to add? Yeah. I don't know. No, I don't have too much to add. Okay, cool. Um, how would you describe your current family structure and also desired family structure for the future? Ooh. My current family structure. I mean, I feel like my current family structure, my desired family structure are the same. Oh, which that's is sweet. like I think just like a wild tribe. <laughs> I mean, whether that means like, you know, uh, like giving Jonah a sibling or whatever it means. I mean, at least right now I live, you know, just a few minutes away from my parents and my siblings. And I mean, I have two dogs. I have, you know, like even like my nanny feels like part of the family. I have my friends who are my chosen family. So it feels like we're just always surrounded by people we care a lot about um and so i'd like to just keep that going whatever that looks like from now and and in the future cool are you armenian i'm persian oh yeah cool so yeah i remember seeing you guys had some armenian dinner with alexis once oh that was actually i don't know if you 
have any Jewish friends or know about oh, Shabbat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that actually was um, Alexis coming over to my parents' house for Shabbat. Oh, okay. And cool. that was really cool. I I feel like it was really nice. So he's Armenian. Mm-hmm. And it actually came up, this idea came up because I, I saw him in Miami and we were talking and... I, I can't remember, but somehow it came up that I'm Persian and he's Armenian. And he was like, you know what? Like my, he told me the story of like his dad, like backpacked or traveled through the Middle East or Iran. And he was like, I remember my dad always said his whole life, um, the people in Tehran, which is like a big city in Iran, were the warmest people and the most hospitable people he's ever met. And they brought his father into their home with like open arms um gave him food and whatever it is that he needed and i'm like you know it's funny you bring that up because that's like very common like that's you know how my culture operates Mm -hmm. and then an added element is you know being jewish we have shabbat dinners every friday and ever since i told my dad about you you know he always said like (laughs) well actually sorry i have to back up a little bit but anytime i tell my dad about someone i've met in the industry he's like you should invite them for shabbat you should invite them for shabbat like i joined the (laughs) snapchat accelerator evan spiegel sounds jewish you should invite him for shabbat i'm like yeah dad i'll I'll just call up evan spiegel and then and then uh and then i i actually ended up telling him about that funny story and then um I guess we got funding from Alexis and he was like, you should have fighting for Shabbat. So I was telling Alexis a story and before I got to telling him about himself, Alexis goes, wait, am I invited to Shabbat? <laughs> I was like, um, yeah, like obviously I was going to say like he did mention it, um, but you know, like no pressure. And then I, I can't remember what happened, but I think like a few weeks later, I needed help with something. I was talking to, uh, I, I can't remember, but I needed his help with something. And and he called me or on the phone. And he was like, yeah, like I'm coming to LA. I was like, well, if you're available on Friday. <laughs> like I know we talked, to, or I think he even said like, oh, isn't like Passover or something tomorrow? I'm like, oh, you mean Shabbat? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, you're, you're always welcome. <laughs> and then he was like, okay, I'm in. He yeah. literally came over to my parents' house. That's so cool. And they cooked him like a Persian dinner. That was Aww. a really long story, but anyway. No, that's sweet. I mean, I asked because I feel like it's interesting that you didn't describe your family as like, oh, like us parents and then a kid. But yeah. you, you described it as like a tribe. And I feel yeah. like um, like children of immigrants tend to feel that way, especially yeah. if your family is here. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a, a crazy like tribe. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Are you Jewish? I am Jewish, okay. but I'm not Persian. Cool. So <laughs> a little bit <laughs> like I'm an only child. So okay, I have a small okay. family. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, awesome. Well, yeah. How did you feel when you found out that you were going to have a baby? Um, and how did other family members feel? It seems like you were kind of preparing yourselves. Yeah, we'd been married for uh, five and a half years before we had our son and um i think you know we were just really excited and it was right after covid sort of died down and and things with the business felt a little more stable like nicole mentioned and i think it was um it felt like the right time so i think we were just really excited and looking forward to it um 
on my end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how was your experience with pregnancy? Um, was there anything that surprised you in particular about pregnancy? Um, my experience, I'm very lucky, was, was a good one. Um, I, I had the opportunity to stay really active, eat really healthy, um, take some classes or at least, at least, at least one class um, what kind of classes? online. It was with a doula. Mm. It was like a pre-birth class and it was very interesting. I learned a lot. I think it helped me. Um, and then through that experience, I actually ended up working with a doula. Um, who I believe trained under the doula that I was taking the class with. Cool. Um, but biggest surprise I think was quite unique to my pregnancy, which was how strong his kicks were. Mm. Um, and it makes sense now. He is literally like a kung fu fighter. <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe it, but like every day someone's like, wow, he's strong. Or like you hand him to someone and he's just like nonstop bouncing. They're like, I swear I'm not doing this. I'm like, We're like I know, I know. Trust me, I know. They're like, no, really, I'm not doing this. I'm like, I know. He does this 24-7. He's an energizer bunny, but... Yeah, I mean, when when I was pregnant, it was just like nonstop, like the strongest kicks ever. And I felt him early on. But um, I also think like on a on a nicer note, I was very surprised by how connected I felt um, early on. That was really nice. And then I had to learn that it takes the dads a little bit more time <laughs> because they don't have those nine months yeah. leading up. But that was probably the nicest takeaway cool as a dad how did you go about building connection during I, pregnancy? I, I think um it, it was definitely uh different for me than it was for nicole i think that i was more excited but i didn't have an understanding of what this entailed after <laughs> he, he was here so um but i think pretty quickly you know it it, we we built a connection after the birth happened. I think it just is a totally different experience when you're, you know, making the person inside of you yeah. <laughs> and just supporting the person who's doing that job. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely was a slower process for me. Mm. Yeah, I think it's actually quite common. Like um, this one midwife once told me that like she doesn't really expect dads to feel a connection until mm. like around five weeks after birth when mm. like the baby starts kind of feigning a smile, mm. um, even though it's really gas. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think you that. feel pretty connected after you start changing diapers. Okay. Um, and you're like, okay, I like this is. We got I, I'm going. thinking about how you're going to be an adult one day, hopefully, and you <laughs> and I will be able to think about, you know, how I you were not able to do this on your own, mm. and I was helping you. Okay. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, how do you go about structuring your birth plan? I know you mentioned the course you took, but, um, I'm curious how you thought about where you wanted to give birth, like who you wanted with you, mm -hmm. what kind of assistance you mentioned a doula, yeah. um, was there a consideration around like midwives or OB versus OBs, things like that? I've definitely thought about it, but as a first time mom, I, I felt like I had to go a more conservative route. Um, but I was very intrigued by it. And I knew people who did home births or water births. And 
I thought it was so cool. I thought it was so intriguing. I just didn't have, I didn't have the balls to do it, <laughs> but I was so fascinated by it. So for that reason, I would say I did my best to try to be as, I don't know if it's like natural, but like as holistic as I could through my pregnancy. Mm. And then even um, when I was going into labor, um, well, that was like a crazy story. Uh, but even with that process, try to, you know, like follow the advice of like my doula and, and you know, the doula I took a class with, which was to try to like labor as home as much as possible or like trying like breathing techniques and all that. I had a, on my birth plan, I will say something funny is I think I put um, that I would like to see how long I would go um, without an epidural, mm -hmm. <laughs> but that I'm not opposed to it. And then the feedback I got was to put no epidural because apparently then like nurses and doctors will keep asking you about oh, it. Okay. Um, and we'll like some might argue like we'll try to push it a little mm -hmm. bit more so i just ended up putting like no epidural but it went a <laughs> it went a very interesting way yeah what made you averse to an epidural um so like i was originally going to put down i had no issue with it so i was like you know what if i need it i'll definitely take it mm -hmm. but that that's my approach with like modern medicine in general like i will try to you know, if I have a headache, I'll try to not jump to taking Advil, try to mm. drink water, maybe even take a nap because, like, I do believe that, you know, if you have a headache, there's something going on internally and it's nice to address that versus, like, putting a Band-Aid on it. Mm -hmm. um, epidural, obviously, it's a, it's a different story. It's more than just a Band-Aid, but um, I was curious to, like, understand how far my body can go or like how strong I could be, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And then on another note, I heard that it can slow down the birthing experience. Mm -hmm. um, so it could take a little bit longer. Not necessarily like more complications can come up, but maybe like if it slows down the birth and then it's taking too long and then you get exhausted and you might need to do like a C-section. I mean... I just heard, you know, that it could lead to more or less natural, um, like, exit plans, if yeah. that makes sense. But again, I feel like whatever is necessary is necessary. And if I felt like I could go to a certain extent without one, I was willing to try it out. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, ben, as a dad, did you play any role in, like, certain birth preferences? Or how did you guys split decisions with the birth plan? I definitely played a role in terms of like talking through um, what options there were and kind of I felt like it was my responsibility to also, you know, be on top of it in terms of uh, knowledge and understanding the options, doing the research and things like that. But at the end of the day, I, you know, I, I think we both felt like this is Nicole's birth plan. Um, and I'm there to support her decisions on it. So, uh, you know, listening to the classes, doing the research and talking through the options, but um, really putting down what, what she felt like was best. Cool. 
Um, how did you decide what to bring to birth? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, it's like an embarrassing. <laughs> everything <laughs> is the answer, and <laughs> very, very embarrassing. We use none of it. <laughs> I know. Oh yeah. We, oh my god, we packed. I mean, I could tell you how I got here. How I got here was a combination of learning from my class, talking to my doula, and then looking up not even looking up being targeted mm -hmm. like 50 million reels and tiktoks <laughs> and i for whatever reason would like anytime i would come across a reel or a tiktok that was like what i packed to the hospital yeah like even if you know like uh, five things out of eight were the same as the previous video i watched if there were three like new items i'd be like i need those like three <laughs> items as well and then the next one there'll be like one or two items that i i have i'm like i need yeah. that one as well because they would talk about why and yeah like oh this unexpected thing came up and this thing saved me i'm like oh okay like we want to be really prepared i'm like what if we have like what if I have an emergency C-section and I'm there for, you know, five, six days? What if I, you know, I'm really hot and I need a fan? What if I'm really cold <laughs> and I need like fuzzy socks? It was just like a what never- What if you want like to listen to music privately and you need noise canceling headphones? But then headphones. also what if you want to make it a party and you need a Bluetooth speaker? <laughs> like It literally was like all the above. Um, and we ended up, I wouldn't say we used nothing. I would say my fuzzy socks came in really handy. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Fuzzy I socks. lived in my fuzzy socks because I just like, well, A, I, I naturally run cold and B, I, I'm sure you've heard of like the shakes yeah. that happen after birth. Like that saved me. And then this was not even tied to my um, my packing list. But like, I think it was like the week after I gave birth the week after Black Friday. And I don't know if it was like hormones or nesting energy, <laughs> but like for whatever reason, I don't know if you've ever seen this jacket, but Aloe had this like oh, yeah. massive furry jacket that like literally makes you look like an Eskimo. Yeah, I have two. Oh, I have different colors. <laughs> okay, so you know what I'm referring yeah. to. And for whatever reason, I was like, I need this. And I wore that. I mean, I'll pull up photos. I wore that the whole time in the hospital with the hood on, just sitting like this with the shakes. It like saved my life. Oh, okay, that's good. But um, but yeah, anyway, we packed like two bags and a mm. yoga ball. Yeah. Did you Probably. use the yoga ball during birth? Um, I used it at home. During labor. Dur when oh, okay. I was starting to labor. But... Because of my birth story, which I'll get into, we didn't end up using anything <laughs> from we had a very interesting experience. Yeah. So into that. Yeah. So that's my next question is describe your birth story. And I, I've heard it once before at, yeah. the, at the soccer game. But yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. So I, it was all in my head, like labor at home as much as possible. See how long you can go without the epidural. But there was obviously a number. I think it was like. I think it was like five, five, one, mm -hmm. like five minutes of contractions, five minutes. No, five, one, one, mm -hmm. five, one, one. Yeah. One, one minute, minute apart. Yeah, then yeah. At least once every hour. Yeah. Yeah. So um, backing up a little bit, this is something that I didn't know was possible, but I started to feel crampy, mm. um, which were contractions. But in the moment, I was like, oh, look, I have cramps. And at like midnight, the night before Ben and I were like sitting and trying to like monitor it and the conclusion was like oh maybe it's Braxton Hicks mm -hmm. so like, what made you think that contractions 
I don't know, Ben Googled it. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, well, we were a little bit before the due date. and It was five days before. Oh, okay. technically at that point it was six days because it was like the day before. Like, right. Had your water before. broken? No. Okay. Nothing had broken. We were like going to bed. And I think Ben was in the other room and I texted him. I'm like, come here right now. I feel crampy. He looks it up. He's like, well, it should be like this if it's contractions, it, blah, blah, blah. Okay, maybe it's Braxton Hicks. Let's go to sleep. I'm like, okay. We go to sleep. Three hours later, it's like three o'clock in the morning. I wake up and it like feels like I have like full blown period cramps. Mm. And I obviously haven't felt this in a while. So I get up, I go to the bathroom and um, I don't know if this is like, I don't know if it's like TMI. No, like never. Or gross or whatever. <laughs> it was just like, let's just say there was a lot of blood. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, like a lot. Like I was not prepared for it. And I remember like sitting in the bathroom, like looking up online. Um, like what's like a normal amount. And this mm -hmm. seemed like it was definitely more than normal. Mm -hmm. So I came out and I'm like shaking. And I'm like, we have to go to the hospital right now. Like I even called my parents um like freaking out my mom's like go to the hospital <laughs> we didn't realize it but they ended up meeting us there um but they're like yeah go to the hospital i'm sure everything's fine but i was freaking out we rushed to the hospital and i was not okay i'm like what if something happened to the baby like i i, I didn't know i didn't know anything yeah. i didn't know that this was normal um turns out like everything was fine the baby was like effaced to a certain extent, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. I turned to Ben because I don't remember like any details. I was like somewhat blacking out, obviously. Um, so, what was the cause of so much bleeding? I don't know. Or is it we, just kind of like bloody show? I don't know if you ever got an answer. Yeah, I don't think so. I think like, it was like fine. it happened. They said yeah, it's, it's like fine. normal. Yeah. Which, like, despite how prepared, and I, I keep hearing about this, like, obviously in different areas, like, you can prepare so much and still, like, you will be hit with things that you just could not prepare for yeah so that was an example of something like with all the classes i've taken all the research i've done like i didn't know that you could be hit with that sort of initial experience but we got to the hospital and they're like you're good you're chilling mm. they're like you're four centimeters dilated um but since you're a first time mom uh you're like on average, most likely to give birth within 28 hours or something like mm. that. So most likely you'll give birth by tonight or tomorrow morning. And at this time it was like six o'clock in the morning, I think. And they were like, so you could either, you could either stay here or you could go home. I was like, well, everything I've learned was, you know, <laughs> labor at home. try to labor at home <laughs> as much as possible. Probably not going to happen till tonight or tomorrow morning. So... I'll just go home. So we went home. Um, I made myself some oatmeal. I took a nap. I took a shower. I like dried my hair. I ended up taking a work call with Christina. Mm. And I don't know if I mentioned that. I think yeah, I mentioned I think that so. too. And it just kept coming on like stronger and stronger. But I've also had like very intense period cramps growing up. So I'm like, Do you have okay. PCOS? Not that I know of. Mm. Not that I I have made a lot of changes in my diet over the years and mm. it's gotten like ten times better. Mm. 
but I have experienced yeah. some strong period cramps in my lifetime. So I was like, okay, like I got this. This is nothing. It was coming and going. I'm like, this is nothing compared to what I've been through. Um, and then at one point, like I needed to take a minute every time a contraction came on. And I just, I remember talking to Christina and she was like, not at all trying to talk to me about work. But I think we're like in the midst of like closing around or our A. Yeah. And I'm like, no, but we need to talk about it. Like, I don't know like when I'm going to talk to you again. Like it <laughs> felt like I was getting into this like never ending like wormhole of life. And I'm like, we need to figure it all out right now. And she's like, you're having a baby. Like, <laughs> this is amazing. You should be so excited. Like, like, don't worry about it. I'm like, no, like we have to figure this out. I was like in intense work mode. And that's how it was my whole pregnancy. It was a great distraction, but probably could have cooled down a little. Mm. Um, and all I remember is at one point, Ben like had to chime in and tell Christina, um, hey, if she's not responding, it's because she's breathing through a contraction. <laughs> and and I was like okay maybe this is the time to get off the phone we like I like I think we started like doing like yoga ball techniques that our doula taught us mm -hmm. and then timing we started timing the contractions with an app of course and at one point I don't know what happened at one point all of a sudden they were like two minutes apart it went very quickly from like oh this is nothing to worry about you're it's like eight minutes apart to like oh this is the this the app is saying to go to the hospital and like <laughs> we even called the doulas and they're like oh yeah like you know you should probably go <laughs> and then it got even then faster it got, then, then it, it just it snowballed just from there <laughs> really like we could fast. barely get out the door yeah i went from being able to be on the phone and having like 15, 10, eight minutes apart from my contractions to all of a sudden they were so intense and like one to two minutes apart. Mm. And Ben was like, okay, we need to go to the hospital, but I couldn't move. Oh. And so he had to like- You would walk like 10 feet and then you'd stop, do a contraction for like a minute. <laughs> do a contraction, And yeah. then- walk another 10 feet so it took a yeah. while to like get to the elevator and then get down yeah to get to the car yeah. yeah and then at one point it felt like my water might have broken but we weren't sure yeah it was like completely a mess mm -hmm. again like you can prepare so much but in the yeah. moment like you have no idea what's going on um rush to the hospital i was in some really intense pain started I couldn't yell because I was in so much pain, but I started like whispering for an epidural. Yeah, it was Aww. scary because she got quiet. <laughs> like Aww. I got quiet pretty fast and I just walk in and I'm like, like eyes rolling to the back of my head. I'm like, epidural, epidural. <laughs> and they're like, okay, ma'am, can you sit down? I'm like, no, epidural. <laughs> and they're like, okay, someone will be right with you. I'm like, epidural <laughs> like what are you saying meanwhile my birth plan it says no epidural <laughs> and then i just like i i couldn't talk i couldn't think all i could hear and say and think about was epidural over and over again they ended up rushing me into the hospital like through the doors they didn't even like give me a covid test they didn't even mm. check my id they got me into a room like right away I heard it could take like 45 minutes for someone to come and give an epidural. Someone came within like two minutes. Mm, that's good. Um, 
And I think because I was demanding it so aggressively, they didn't even check me to see how dilated I was. Mm. And they just like jumped straight into it. Or maybe the doctors like assumed we already had checked. Like, I don't know what happened, but a lot of people ask me, like, don't they check you first? It was just all so fast and so intense. They gave me the epidural. Um, and then I lay down and I'm like, my body is pushing for me. And they're like, what? I think the hospital's midwife was in the room. Oh, okay, cool. So and it was like a like midwife and OB assisted birth. And, and your doula was it there was, too? It was at Cedars. My doula mm. was rushing over and okay. my doctor was rushing over. Mm. Everyone was rushing over is what I heard. Yeah. Um, that's, <laughs> I was blacking out. I was like You're not like, a human. I, yeah. <laughs> I think I was like too, like I was just too much in the zone to even like realize. But mm -hmm. Ben noticed. Um, and I started telling them like my body is pushing for me. It was the scariest thing. It was like actually pushing. And then I guess they checked me and they're like, um, this was like two seconds after they took the epidural out of me. They checked me and they're like, um, you're 10 centimeters dilated. You have to like give birth right now. Mm. I was like, what? <laughs> like you <laughs> literally have to give birth right now. Um, I started pushing. My doula ran in through the door. Oh, yeah. she, I don't even know if she like took her purse off. Her I body. love how dramatic this is. It was so dramatic. And then like five. Oh, I think what did you notice with the midwife, the hospital's midwife? She was like saying we might have to do this without a doctor. I didn't hear it's, that. It's coming. Like the baby's <laughs> coming. We might have to just do this ourselves. Mm. Uh, and I'm sure they could have. Yeah. Um, but low risk pregnancy yeah. sometimes it's just a midwife. Interesting. Yeah. I. But I didn't even hear that. It was like so in my own world. Mm -hmm. uh, but then my doctor like ran through the door <laughs> and he just like jumped right in. He's like, okay, let's deliver this baby. And then he came out in like five minutes. Oh, wow. So did so, you feel depoteral at all? I think it helped me for after mm, more than okay. it helped me for during. Yeah. So to answer your question, no, <laughs> like the epidural <laughs> didn't kick in. Um, but what's interesting is the contractions completely stopped as soon as I gave birth. Yeah. And that was like the most pain by far. Mm. Um, that Even was the cool. birth of placenta? I think it stopped before the placenta. I mm. think so. But that came like pretty quickly after. But that was interesting. I didn't know that. That was cool. I yeah. Thought. Oh, you didn't know the birth of placenta? Or no. I, no, I actually <laughs> don't think I knew the placenta. <laughs> I think they're like, no, the placenta. I was like, what? And then it came out. Um, but yeah, despite the, all the classes I took, but I didn't realize that contractions would like stop right away. Mm. It was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like some of the most intense pain. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Typically after unmedicated births, like parents will talk about feeling a high, like stronger than mm. any drugs they have taken. Um, If they've taken drugs, mm. did you feel that high? I guess if I was blacking out and like <laughs> I didn't know what was going on, probably that was the high. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I felt like I definitely felt I felt like I had a lot of energy that I didn't know I had within me. Um, I remember like screaming during pushing, but not like out of pain, but out of like, um, God, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I don't know if you've like, if you've ever done like a workout class and they're like, mm -hmm. throw it as hard as you can. And sometimes like to exert as much energy as you possibly can, you just have to like yell, like while mm -hmm. you're doing it. It's just like, I was, my body was like, it's go time. 
Um, so maybe that was part of it too, like all the adrenaline. Um, and then in the moment I saw him, I I couldn't process what was happening. But at the same time, like I call it like, like I had – like experienced like love at first sight like I mm. it's weird like I I was in love with him from the moment I saw him but at the same time like I couldn't process what was going on because it's weird like you know there's this baby thing moving inside of you and then all of a sudden it's a human yeah and you're like wait like what like you were a belly <laughs> and now you're a human and like you've it's not like you've seen this human and you know what they look like um so I guess that like there was some sort of high there also. I feel like love for your like child is not it is like a different level than like mental processing. You know, you might not be able yeah. to like think through it, but you feel that love like as an yeah. emotion, mm -hmm. as a feeling. Yeah, that's sweet. That. Um, I'm curious what positions you gave birth in because that's a common topic. <laughs> <laughs> I again I was like so prepared to like I'm like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that I talked to my doctor about it do you guys it. have like, a bathtub I'm like, like <laughs> I just like asked them all these questions I I ended up just traditional on my back pushing. Okay, yeah. I think I like tried to have a debate with my with my doctor beforehand about like different positions <laughs> it, it didn't it, it was like it was so fast but I've heard like very interesting things about how different positions mm -hmm. can help I think for me it was too late the baby was already yeah. coming out um that's so interesting because I feel like for first time moms it's usually much slower well oh I ended up giving birth at like eleven forty nine a.m okay. and they told me I would like they were very confident that I would give birth that evening mm -hmm. or the next morning. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, from the time that I went into the hospital to the time I actually ended up giving birth was like just a few hours. Mm. So wow. I, I heard it's also genetic. Mm. I think my mom had pretty good birthing experiences and pretty quick. And, oh, and my mom also, I think – she couldn't do with my brother because he was induced, but three out of her four kids were natural. Oh, wow. So I was like, eh, why not try it out? <laughs> I don't know. If you have another kid, it'll be like like a minute. That's what I heard. <laughs> oh, yeah. My doctor was like, next time, stay in the hospital. I was like, okay. Um, okay, cool. So I'm curious if you did cord blood banking. If not, what was your exposure to it? Um, actually, I had brought up your company to my husband mm -hmm. and um, this guy, this guy. <laughs> and I didn't do as much research as I would have liked because my kid came early. Yeah. And we ended up having to go with the hospitals. I still don't even know who they are. We're just we're <laughs> like, whatever. We have no choice. Yeah. Um, but it is something I was interested in doing more research on, especially because um, I know there's, I believe there's like strong research between cord blood banking and like autoimmune mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, and I know that like that has like has run in my family. So 
it's something I was very interested in in learning more on. I, I thought I was going to give birth like two weeks late. Mm. So in my, I mean, that's what I've seen with my friends. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Or maybe not two weeks, but at least like a few days. Yeah. So how um, early was it? I think you said like five days. He came, I think technically it started six days before. Okay. He came five days before. Cool. Yeah. It was, and I'm like a last minute. I was also working too yeah. so i'm like oh, I'll, I'll get that to that later i'll get to that later like yeah the last week be- like before my due day and i didn't there was a lot of stuff i didn't get to that I yeah wanted. okay cool but you did do cord banking yeah i okay, think so cool. right yeah i yeah again oh that's awesome yeah i just i i think it was like let's I think we wanted to do our research and all that stuff, but we were like, you know what? We didn't have time to do research. I'd rather be safe than sorry. So we decided to go for it. It's kind of like insurance because you don't know what they're going to be able to figure out scientifically in the next, I don't know, 20, 30, 50 years. Yeah. So it felt like I didn't want our son to look at us when he's older and be like, why didn't you guys do this for me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, well, I'd love to chat about your postpartum period, um, which actually yeah. tends to produce like really good content for a podcast because I feel like it's so like people spend so much time preparing for birth specifically, yeah. but then the postpartum is kind of neglected in preparation. No one talks about postpartum. Yeah. Postpartum yeah. is the birth. Like mm-hmm. postpartum is a pregnancy. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm curious how you guys structured your routine immediately after having a baby. Did you have a plan for a routine or anything like that? And how did it kind of come together? Um, we were very lucky. We used um, or we had a plan to use some of the 776 benefit mm. um, to get a nurse cool. to help us for at least, I would say, the first two months, mm-hmm. which is very like we're very fortunate to have that yeah, like a night nurse um yeah like a night nurse but who like lived with us so she was there like during the day and honestly helpful during the day too mm. even though she didn't need to be yeah um she was awesome she was great i would say i talked about this with someone literally just yesterday uh and i think she was saying she she mentioned that she wants to have or like she would want to give her kid another sibling but she just doesn't know if she can go through the newborn phase again mm-hmm. um and from from what i you know experience and what i shared was i feel like also you know from my background and psychotherapy i shared that like i very strongly believe that we're meant to we were meant to do this like within tribes like we're meant to do this with like an extreme amount of support around us um and we just don't have that today like you know at all even to a certain extent you know if someone's not living near their family or um someone maybe doesn't have access to you know like any form of support it's really hard and and these days it almost feels like you have to pay for your support yeah, which is really unfortunate because that's like a an extreme luxury where it should actually be like it should be there regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think having that nurse with us for two months like saved my postpartum experience. Like I, I do think I had anxiety for sure. I don't think it was like as extreme as it could have been. 
but from what I hear, like postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression, it used to be postpartum depression, and I'm hearing it's both yeah. depression and anxiety. But from what I hear, postpartum depression and anxiety is just so prevalent these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I didn't have the support that I had, I I could have seen myself like going down that rabbit hole. Um, so we had that was something we discussed. That was something that was really helpful. He like just took like a week or two off of work. Mm-hmm. So I also didn't. Re- I mean, because we run a company yeah. together. Um, so we couldn't really take off time at the same time. So did you take off time? I took off four months. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I was still like checking in as much as I could whenever yeah. I could, but I was breastfeeding, I was sleep deprived. Um, but by the end of those four months, I was very excited to go back to work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably different than uh, what I would have imagined, but. I think it depends on your postpartum experience. It depends on, like, what you're going back to. Yeah. I think um, your recovery mm-hmm. is, like, a thing. I, I didn't realize how intense recovery would be mm-hmm. um, for someone who had, like, a, the, a pretty natural birth. Yeah. Recovery was, like, really hard. So what I tell people is, like, even if – I mean, moms who – there are moms who do it, but even if you want to just jump back into life, like – like nothing happened it's like almost impossible because yeah. like your body has just gone through so much um that i mean i always jokingly said but not jokingly said that it feels like i got like hit by a truck mm. and and then i th- and the reason why i can really like empathize with like um like postpartum depression and anxiety is because it's like imagine you know being hit by a truck isolated from you know people in your life taken out of your routine um you know handed another human to care for feeding them from your body sleep deprived uh the list is just insane like you you wouldn't be normal if you yeah. didn't change mm-hmm. uh, to a certain extent and then that's where like support like someone to help you with the baby like even with a diaper change or feeding them i mean if you're not exclusively breastfeeding um feeding them a bottle even if it's your pumped milk just Mm -hmm. so you can get a few more extra hours of rest uh or even just knowing that there's someone there and the burden doesn't fall on you completely like it it made it made a big difference Mm. and um it made me realize like how important support is yeah did you exclusively breastfeed and if so what did the nice night nurse do so that's like a whole other thing that i didn't realize about postpartum i mean but about my postpartum experience that's Mm -hmm. possible is that I wasn't able to produce enough milk for him and that was really hard for me uh turns out I think it was because he had a tongue tie Mm. I don't know if you know much about tongue ties that's also something that like I learned about or heard about pre-birth but I didn't think much of it I didn't realize how common it was I was like, oh, that's something I don't have to worry about. It ended up being something I did have to worry about. Um, He wasn't latching or even if we gave him a bottle, he had like a lot of acid reflux because Mm -hmm. like his latch was poor. Um, And because of that, I also didn't realize that like, you know, the level of output 
matches the level of like input of how much milk your body makes Mm -hmm. so because he had a poor latch like i wasn't getting as much milk out and that slowed down my milk production as well so it's a combination of genetic and then also um like the breastfeeding experience and all that but yeah that was that was rough i didn't have enough milk so i was like constantly going crazy trying Mm. to figure out how i could bring that up that's something that like can can really feel shitty like as a mom yeah um especially if you plan to breastfeed um so so i had you know my nurse did help me with feeding him and i would still wake up in the middle of the night though to pump Mm. which is very very hard but um i think it's easier than getting up to feed and yeah changing and all that stuff yeah so how long did you end up pumping or breastfeeding for I pushed myself to go to six months, but it was never exclusive. Mm. I still had to supplement with formula. Mm. And yeah, like I would say probably more important than preparing for the birth is learning about breastfeeding. Yeah. I was very, very surprised how little people talked about that. Um, Even if you're not planning to breastfeed, like just – what it looks like to wean, what it looks like to, like, prepare your body. I mean, it's just, it's such a thing of its own that, like, literally no one talks about. Yeah. Um. And I remember hearing a story, God, for the life of me, I don't know if I remember this. I don't know if you remember this story. <laughs> I think Caitlin, a, Caitlin wanted to work at seven, I mean, at Reddit. Because she went to Reddit to help her with some mom stuff. Do you remember mm-hmm. what it was? Mm-hmm. Did you hear this story? No. I don't remember the specifics. She went to Reddit. Like, I mean, anyway, like, I don't need with, like, to. maternity leave? I, I can't remember what it was, but it was like she really needed support on something. I think it was just the idea that there was, like, a community of people yeah. talking about the issue yeah. there. That yeah. That attracted her to wanting to, like, to believing in the company and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think I think she went to Reddit to find, like, a community, like Ben mentioned. Um, and it was, like, life-changing for her. And because of that, she wanted to work at Reddit and, like, mm-hmm. just make it, like, a the as much of a great company as you know she could yeah um and because of that story when i when i had a hunch about jonah's tongue tie Mm -hmm. and when i was struggling with my breastfeeding issues i turned to reddit and that actually like helped me realize that like he had a tongue tie Mm. that helped me learn like like that was the only way i could keep going for six months otherwise i probably would have stopped right away um it was pretty awesome Mm. it was pretty awesome like you wouldn't think of it but going to reddit for for that sort of thing like honestly i think like saved me to a certain extent so how did you adjust your breastfeeding routine knowing that your son had a tongue tie um god i had to pump a lot more Mm. i had to pump a lot more i also ended up getting uh like some donor milk Mm. that was like i mean moms were just awesome and like through my community i had some moms who wanted to help there in the beginning i think like in the beginning i had like zero milk Mm. for like a week so i just like had to keep pumping and pumping until my milk came in like i didn't even have colostrum 
Yeah. Um, How did you find donor milk? Through my community. Like, mm. I, I, like, uh, I think I was in a mom chat. Oh, okay. Or cool. no, no, sorry, backing up um, through my friend, my good friend. I think she was like, how's it going? How are you doing? I think we have, we came home from the hospital and ignorantly did not have formula yet also because it happened so fast like I um and earlier than expected I didn't have formula at home and we came home from the hospital and he was like screaming his head off crying mm. and I guess he was hungry and I couldn't feed him and I remember it was raining mm -hmm. and then it was like three o'clock in the morning I was like texting my friends who had recently given birth like do you have any formula like I don't know what to do. Like mm. he can't, he won't stop crying. And and two of my friends responded um, immediately, and they they were like, "Yeah, like I have formula. Mm. Like come get it anytime." Or I also have some milk. Like, do you want that? I was like, "Sure, yeah, I'll take I'll take whatever I can get." And it yeah. was like a game changer. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was nuts. It was really nuts. Yeah. It's interesting because of your background in therapy, like a lot of content that I've seen more recently is about how breastfeeding in particular really impacts postpartum mental health. I was um, going crazy. Yeah. And like whenever we have lactation yeah. consultants that are like on, on the podcast talking about like it's okay to like change whatever you thought you were originally going to do. Yeah. Like just to hear that people are, like are always flood the comments with like I wish someone told me this. Like I felt yeah. so much shame. Yeah. Yeah. I I met with a couple of lactation consultants and at one point I had one like really take the shame away. That's good. Um, and that was say? really nice. I mean she she said like you know um, it's, you know, actually, weirdly, I had heard many people say, like, you know, it's okay if it doesn't work out for you. And I had a really hard time accepting that. Like, I didn't want to accept, like, it didn't work out for me. Yeah. Um, like, I wasn't ready to give up, obviously, like, I'm a founder. <laughs> um, um, ben, ben knows. I was, like, not ready to give up. I'm like, no, like, I'll keep pumping. I'll, I'll have these foods. I'll do this. I'll do, like, I was 1300, just. 1,300, like, supplements a day. 1,300 <laughs> supplements with milk production. I was driving myself insane. Mm -hmm. And then I had one lactation consultant kind of, like, break it down for me a little bit more, like, logically, which I don't know if you're like this, but, like, maybe, I don't know if it's my founder brain or what, but I appreciate it so much more, which was, like, she talked about how it is correlated to breast tissue, like, mm -hmm. a certain type of breast tissue, and um, that could typically be genetic, like, how much you develop, and I know during my pregnancy, I don't think I really develop much, and so once I knew that it was, like, physical, and like taking all the supplements in the world or eating all the food or all the oatmeal cookies and all of that and doing all the pumping couldn't like add more like breast tissue. That kind of calmed me down a little bit. It was almost like I like I didn't have an I didn't have an option to keep going and, and it kind of settled my brain a little. Mm. Um and then and then also with his latch, his latch got better. We like adjusted it or something and his latch got better. So she was like, listen, he's getting some milk out of you. Like that's still a lot. And like take this win and and 
give him you know you might not be feeding him exclusively but like he's still getting all the benefits and he's still getting you know like you know whatever it is that you're passing on to him so it might not be everything but it's still something and like yeah. some moms have nothing and so that was nice to hear and then something interesting to hear that more and more people have validated to me that apparently because it has to do with the breast tissue that you get during pregnancy um with each pregnancy you're you're more and more able to have more milk Mm. so she was like by your next pregnancy you'll have like even more and by the pregnancy after that you'll have to be more because you'll just like pile on top yeah um so that was nice and then also the flip side of that i didn't realize but like i had some friends who were like over suppliers and they dealt with like mastitis mm -hmm. or, or being like you know strapped to their baby or a pump 24 7 and that also has like very severe mental health implications that no one talks about. Mm -hmm. um, so learning that like either extreme, like I used to be envious of moms who were oversuppliers, but learning that that actually is very difficult in its own way. Yeah. Um, helped me like have empathy for that too. Mm. Well, you're such a therapist. Oh my God, <laughs> Emma. You're such it's a calm speaker and always like an empath. Oh God. Um, Okay, cool. Well, one of my last questions is yeah. um, what surprised each of you most about postpartum and what tips would you have for new parents? I'll let you go first. I feel like <laughs> I've been talking forever. Um, surprised me the most. I've never been around a baby before Ever. this. <laughs> so it was just almost everything was surprising. But... Um, I think the sleep deprivation part of it was mm. just like, and I I can't complain because Nicole was doing 10 times more, but even I was like, oh my God, this, how do people do this? Yeah. Like this is, it's very difficult, just the sleep deprivation side of it alone. So then you add on top of it, all of the recovery stuff and all yeah. of the other things that moms go through. It's like, I can't, even I mean I can only imagine what that's like so I think it was just seeing what Nicole was going through and then experiencing like some small piece of that myself was mm -hmm. it was just a pretty interesting and surprising experience cool what tips would you have for new dads <sighs> um be as supportive as possible to the new mom um because they just are going through more than you can ever possibly imagine and ever will experience in your life and so you know just anything and everything you know do it and do it with a smile <laughs> that's good um, advice so yeah and i i think i could probably take my own advice a little bit more next time around too so it's it's easy to look back at it hindsight's 2020 but yeah yeah cool hindsight is 2020 <laughs> no, even for myself. Yeah. What tips would you have for new moms? Um, tips that I would have for new moms is in whatever first of all, if you plan to breastfeed, read up on breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. Hundred percent I wish someone told me that. Um, but also if you can find support, like if you have the financial means, um, get a nurse. If you don't look into which also no one talks about like how expensive it is so like 
it's it's unfortunate that that's the case. Um, but I would say regardless, like look into communities um, where like or look into your community if you have one. If not, seek one where you feel like you could find, you know, support, like someone that you can call, someone you could text anytime. Mm -hmm. um, find moms that are pregnant and going to be giving birth around you i had a couple of friends or one of my closest friends gave birth one month after me and then mm -hmm. her sister who i'm friends with as well was in between the two of us just she, she was two weeks after me and we were just and then again i was very lucky another very close friend of mine had given birth three months before me so i had so many moms to like reach out to about anything and everything at any given time like oh my god like did you know this about breastfeeding like oh my god like what did you do about this or even ask like what do you do about cord blood banking what do you like i'm starting to feel contractions like what should i do i mean just having someone who's going through it like within a similar time frame um can make all the difference also because like I've always heard like I have a friend who had a kid two years before me and or with any other mom who who has had a kid a little bit before me anything I would ask them they'll be like honestly I kind of black that out or <laughs> I don't really remember I don't yeah. really know and and for whatever reason I guess it's like what keeps moms going and what keeps us like so strong um it's like hard to remember the details. So to find people who are going through it like and are at the same stage at a similar time, I think uh could be really helpful. So yeah. Finding that. Yeah. Yeah. Good tips. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, my my last question that I forgot to ask in the beginning is how did you guys meet? Oh my god. <laughs> That's a crazy story. I kind of love or? your guys' dynamic. So I was curious <laughs> about this. We actually we actually met on a dating app. Okay, which one? But so it was Tinder. Oh. Um, but it was early Tinder. Early Tinder. It was 2014. Mm. I feel like Tinder was has changed a lot or since then. So I always feel the need to like clarify. Yeah. <laughs> um, you had downloaded it because our mutual friend, or later mutual friend, but someone we both know. Like was promoting it at UCSB. Yeah, right. They got all the frats and sororities to download mm -hmm. it. So, I mean, yeah, which it was uh, good marketing. Yeah, and you both yeah. went to UCSB. No, no. And then went I to went USC. to USC. Oh, okay. And I knew the sibling of one of the co-founders. Mm -hmm. We were in the same grade, so like everyone and the founders are also like Persian Jewish. So oh, yeah. everyone in my community was talking about it. It was like it was like the first of its kind and everyone was so fascinated and so interested talking about it like what is this and it was uh it brought up a lot of curiosity. But um yeah, so for that reason like I had friends downloading it and like telling me about it so I downloaded it and it was very, very early. But you only had it for like a week before we started talking, right? Mm-hmm. I had it for like a week. And then... I was in law school in San Francisco. And you were down here in LA. In undergrad? It's, 
you were oh, between no. undergrad and no i think i just graduated you had just graduated mm-hmm. yeah. i just graduated usc mm-hmm. um but learned about it through that community and we match and back then they showed which i learned that they don't do this anymore they showed your mutual friends oh um so back then they showed mutual friends and we had like 30 mutual friends or something like that it felt more like it felt more like og facebook like it Mm -hmm. showed your mutual friends and like your interests and it had some photos like it almost felt like swipeable facebook yeah if that makes sense um and i remember even like recognizing some of the people in your photos so that was cool but I feel like that's definitely not what Tinder <laughs> is today. Um, and we matched, I guess. And then we started talking. But then we feel like there was some sort of glitch because, uh, God, wow, I haven't talked about this in a while. Well, the radius, like you set, uh, it's based on who's near to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think like the maximum at the time was like maybe 50 miles. Yeah, yeah. Well, you were in SF. But I was in SF and she and was, I was in, in LA, LA. And there was yeah. no time where we were within each other's radius. So mm. we think. And I know if it's because we had like mutual friends or something. Yeah. yeah. I think they might have opened it up. Yeah. Or, I think it was like, a, you know, yes, it was yeah. back. It was like literally you would run out of people. Yeah. Very early Tinder. But what were you going to say? I don't know if either of us remember swiping on each other. I don't. Or if it just both, matched us. We don't even remember swi- swiping on each other. It's the Jewish connection. I don't know. It's like. We're going to have to get some clarification. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we were like, he was in San Francisco. I was in LA. And then at the time I was actually studying for the GREs, which, you know, um, was for applying to grad school. Mm-hmm. And I happened to get into a school in san francisco mm, so cool. we to do oh to do your um master's get, in for yeah, therapy yeah okay. yeah and so we were both in san francisco together and we became really close and but i think since like the day that we matched there has not been a day that's yes, gone by where we didn't talk <laughs> um yeah, on like sweet. skype was yes, back in the oh, day yes so we were skyping LA. every day. There was no Zoom. <laughs> we were skyping. I remember, like, I'd be out with my friends. I'm like, okay, like, I have to go home for a Skype date with, like, <laughs> which, like, now, like, it makes sense. You're like, oh, I have to go z- get on a Zoom call at two. Whereas yeah. back then, they were like, what? <laughs> what do you mean you have to get on Skype at a certain time? And they thought it was so weird. But then once COVID happened, they were like, I just want to say sorry. <laughs> and I remember um, our dates or for our first, like, Skype date. Before we'd even met in person, I dressed up like in a nice Aww. shirt from from here up. I was in a nice shirt. But then from here down, I was like in basketball shorts and slippers because it was just on yeah. Skype, you know, like wow. like nowadays with work calls. So, yeah, it's pretty funny. And we just see. Yeah, that's like 10 years almost. I know it's going to be 10 <laughs> years this January. Yeah. So literally like almost. A and decade. now we've built a fully remote company. So I will say that was like, that's probably why, like, I think that's why we thrive during like building the company during COVID. Um, and then also having, you know, a company that like supports like virtual or like distant connection. Yeah. Because we really, I mean, like, I think it's like safe to say we like fell in love virtually. Yeah. Um, it's like a little Early weird. adopters. Yeah. Like we definitely felt like what it was like to um, 
to connect like on a deeper level even though we weren't together like physically and and we met on an app so we decided to start one that supported it was meant to be. <laughs> distant you know connection yeah so. Yeah. That's so sweet. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's all the questions I have, but I really appreciate you guys sharing, um, especially like all around the mental health and breastfeeding. That was really special. So yeah, yeah thanks for being here. Of course. Thank thanks you. For thanks having for having us. us. Yeah, this has been fun. <laughs> cool. Thank you.